I, I, I know it's been two weeks. I know we've slid away a little bit. I know you had a Sunday off. So I'm going to say this like I said it two weeks ago. I said, are you ready to get in the word? And let me tell you what I just heard. I heard, yeah. You had a week off. You got to sleep in last Sunday. Amen. You should be pumped right now. So when I say, are you ready to get in the word? You should be like, yeah. Now I told you. This is interactive church, and so I need you to also understand that saint season is right around the corner. Football season is right around the corner, and some of y'all are already starting to get hooping and hollering. You're moving in your seats. You're getting excited. You're feeling the adrenaline running, but here would be my question. With the word of God and the presence of God and the power of God and the church of God should make you more excited than a football season that comes and goes, and half of our teams can't even make it to the Super Bowl anyway. And just because Tom Brady went to the Bucks does not mean they're going to the Super Bowl. All these new Buck fans now. Oh, Jesus, help us. Okay, so this morning, I need you to have an expectation. So I need you to say this with me. Say it loud. Say it proud. Say, I'm ready to receive what God has for me through his word. Uh-oh. You realize what you just said? That means you can't get up on your emotions this morning. That means the AC won't bother you. The comfort of the seats won't bother you because what you have an expectation for now is the Word of God. So because of that, now turn in your Bibles this morning to the book of Acts chapter 2. Pastor Troy, where are you? Actually, TC, bring me that whole stack. See that stack right there? Bring that right here and place that right here on this table. Hopefully it doesn't mess my table up. Turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 2 and just hold that place this morning. Uh, let me say this to you. Over the last few weeks, I have ministered to you on the importance of an upper room lifestyle. For those of you that weren't here, I encourage you to go online, go on, thank you, TC, on YouTube, on Facebook, and listen to those messages again. But I have talked to you about the importance of the upper room lifestyle and making sure that we were ready to receive what God wanted to, wanted to do in us and through us in this hour. In week one, I spoke to you about having an upper room expectation. I'm going to say this with you with love. A lot of times we come to the house of God or come to the presence of God or go to our prayer time with God or, or go to our worship with zero expectation. We go in broken, hoping that God will do something rather than expecting that when we worship and when we pray and we seek his face, he is always faithful to show up. Okay, so I talked about this upper room gives you an expectation that it was time for you and I to get in position to receive the promise of the Holy Spirit so that it might manifest in our lives as believers. No more sitting around playing church. It's time to move. In week two, I talked to you about the four keys of receiving the power when the Holy Spirit comes. Number one was you can't be a bystander. You can no longer observe from the top of the bleachers and say, I want to be put in the game. You, you know what, I, what drives me nuts sometimes? Are people who never played football but can talk a lot about football. You know what even drives me even more crazy? Is when we get mad at a player on a field because they didn't do what we think they should have done when you haven't ever stepped on a field a day in your life and the last time you did it was when you played peewee football. Well, if I was on that field, I'd, you liar, you weren't in the moment. Shut up, sit down, and just celebrate that they at least caught the doggone ball. And if they miss it, pray for the man. Because do you know what it's like to try to catch a little pigskin ball and know there is a 300-pound dude coming to annihilate your life? Man, I'd have caught that ball. You liar, if you were catching it, you'd be playing. Amen. Okay. You can't be a bystander anymore. There is, it is enough that we are sitting around watching everyone enter into the promised land while we stand on the other side. And the reason we're standing on the other side is because we keep telling God no. Number two, you must be obedient to his instruction. If he said it, do it. That's it. If he said it, do it. That's it. If you think about it, if you question it, you are disobedient. 
Oh, it got tight all of a sudden. Number three, stop doing it by yourself. Oh, there is power in numbers. There's a whole book in the Bible called Numbers. There's a reason for that. The Bible says when two are gathered together, agreeing upon one thing, it shall be done. You sitting there by yourself, sitting in your corner crying about it, and you won't get alone with somebody else and let somebody else bring strength to your life. Do you, ever, do you understand that ministry requires people, not you? Hello. Number four was prayer and supplication until he comes. A lifestyle of prayer and supplication. A lifetime, a lifestyle of prayer and humility in the things of God. And then week three, two weeks ago, I, Pentecost Sunday, powerful Sunday. I talked about what God has come. I'm sorry. I talked about that God has come and it was time to walk in this promise. The Holy Spirit was here. It's been here the whole time. This power was given to us a long time ago. And it is time for us to stop ignoring it and walk in it. And I gave you, I gave you the three steps to receiving the Holy Spirit. We act like it's some kind of taboo, weird thing for us to get it. Peter said it this way, repent. Not once, a lifestyle of it. Repentance. Rep I'm going to say this till my face falls off. If we stop preaching repentance, take your Bible, go out in the street and burn it. Because none of it exists until repentance is on the table. Repent. Repent. Give up your sinful ways. But, but, but I like that one. But God doesn't. Repent. Get rid of it. Repent. Be baptized. Be baptized. And I mean really get baptized. Sprinkling doesn't do it. The word baptism comes from the word baptismal, which means to be submerged underwater, to be put underwater. In other words, all the old is washed away and everything comes up new. It talks about a circumcision of the heart. The old things are cut away and you have a fresh new life. If there's anything old on you, when we start opening that pool, baby, you better get in. But I've been baptized before. I've been baptized two times. I've been baptized three times. If the old stuff keeps getting back on you, you get back in that water until it dies. Maybe we didn't hold you down long enough. Maybe the new rule is going to be hold them down to the bubble stop, then bring them back up. <laughs> then we'll make it. Get baptized. Baptism is not a weird thing. It should be a celebration in the church. It should not be reserved to one moment every three months. It should be something that we go from salvation, baptism, salvation, baptism, salvation, baptism, so that you can go forward in the things of God. And then the third one was to get to a place of expectancy. I'm going to say this to you, and this is something I feel like the church has been cultured into, is that we live in a place of hope, not expectation. Come on, work with me for a second. I hope this day my sickness goes away. I hope this day my marriage gets whole. I hope this day my child comes back to the cross. I, I hope that this is the day where I stop crying. I, I hope this is the day where my heart doesn't be, isn't broken anymore. I, stop it. Because as long as you're hoping, you're not expecting. As long as you're hoping, you're struggling with believing. Because hope is the thing you do before salvation. Believing is the thing you do after salvation. Believing is saying that my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory, which are in Christ Jesus. And if I've received Christ, then all those things are now mine. So that when I say my, my heart might be broken, but I serve a God who's a mender. If I say my marriage is broken, I serve a God that says nothing shall separate me from the love of God. If I, if I serve this God, if this God is truly real, then I understand that if I'm sick in body, I'm not going to wake up this morning and complain about my sickness. What I'm going to do is complain that he is Jehovah Rapha, my healer. I'm going to start to not just believe it, but declare it. I'm going to move to the place of expectation, not the place of just attendance. 
so now that I'm done with this upper room moment, what do we do now? Where do we go from here? Can I just say this to you as a pastor of this house? I believe that May 31st, 2020 was the reset button for the church globally. Some people hit it. Some people ignored it. Some people said, no, I want to keep doing it my way. And some people said, what I've been doing is not going to work any longer. I need to go this way. Now is the time. Now what we do is the, now is the time that we must become the church Jesus told us to be. A church that follows Christ and is led by the Holy Spirit. A church that desires more than just attendance on Sundays, but a mighty move of God's power and his might. We must become a church that will not settle for the stories of the days of old, but live with an expectation that God is still moving in the earth and today, in earth today, and desires to continue to write his story through each one of us. Stop telling me you're Peter. Be you so God can use you. Well, I want to be like so-and-so. No, be like you and let yourself be a vessel that God can put his glory in and let him write the next storyline because there will be stories that are written from this moment forward where it will change the course of history if you and I choose to be who we've been purposed to be, not try to fulfill everybody else's mandate, not try to fulfill everybody's cookie-cutter mold, but become who we were created to be and let his glory fill us, dwell in us, and march forward with the word of God in our mouth. Not just any church, but a spirit-filled, spirit-led, truth-declaring, devil-beating, soul-winning church. But where are we? Where has the church gone? Because this statement is not popular. What I just said to you and got you all riled up for is not the popular preaching in the church. Because the words in the church today are, it's okay, God understands, be you, sin like you, he'll still be enough. What if I told you that God's tired of your intimate relationship with sin? What if I told you that God has had enough of your excuses? What if I told you that if you don't Stop it. God will remove himself from you. Read your Bible. I'm not making this up. And you go, Pastor, that's not popular preaching. We're under the love. We're under, we're under the new covenant, the, the covenant of love. Look, I love my children, but I still spank them. I love my children, but I still ground them. I love my children, but I still have, they're still situations that we go through that doesn't ever separate me from their love or my love from them what it does is we have to go through a process of change here's the problem is here and i'm gonna say this and you might not like me for saying this and i'm gonna be honest with you from this point forward i love you but but i'm not here for you i'm here to give you what god gave me so so if you're looking for me to to pat you on the butt and tell you good game if you're looking for me to stroke your ego and your pride, that's not what I'm here for. If you're looking for me to be your best friend, sorry, that's not the title God gave me. He called me to be the shepherd. That means sometimes you're going to have to get sheared. But understand that in the end of this thing, it's so that you can live longer. Because a sheep that has too much wool dies. It's insulated too much, will overheat and have a stroke. I'm tired of the church having strokes. I'm tired of God's people falling out. 
because we're not we're unwilling to say something we're unwilling to go somewhere in the word anymore because we're afraid that it might make us unpopular we're afraid that we might lose people uh, listen if i'm doing this to gain people then i must be willing to lose god got where i'm going here somebody like i'm leaving the church right now i'm sorry because where we're headed in this moment we can't do it like we used to because i'm gonna be honest with you more people are leaving the church today than ever before more people are walking out of the family of God than ever before. I remember when I was a kid, we, because, because my, my, my dad wasn't real hip to the spirit-filled church, we ended up going to a Baptist church. And there was this one song we used to sing, and I, I still have it ingrained in the, in, it was a hymnal song. Y'all know what I'm talking about. The, uh, we're going to sing the first and the fourth stanza, and, and here we go. And there was a guy who did this the whole time, and, and Jesus helped me. And, and, and there was a song that says, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed by his blood. Joint heirs with And I started thinking about that song. Where is that church gone? We're, we're, not, we're, we're, we're more willing to tear each other down today than we are willing to build each other up. Where, where is the church gone? Where, where is the expectation gone? We're, we come into the house of God and we're, we're so ready to gather together. I, I, over the next few weeks, I'm, I'm going to try to help us navigate through this. I'm going to help us try to navigate through the rubble of what we've become. Because here's the problem. New people are coming to the church and stepping, stepping over the rubble that we've created. The church doesn't look like a place of freedom. It looks like a place of war. And people are wondering, can I really be free here? Or am I going to be stuck in another battle? Is this the place where the battle ends? Or is this now the place where the battle continues? Because we have to be a different place than the world is. Because if we look like the world and we act like the world and we play like the world, then the world will never consult the church or where the country needs to go. It will ignore us because we are just the same. We just call it church. And God says, enough. If I can say anything to you this morning, and if I could scream it, which I'm not going to do, well, maybe. Repent. Do people go, no, and no, no, shut up, repent, get over yourself, let the dead things die, and let Christ live. And if that's unpopular to you, then everything that's in every one of these Bibles means nothing. Because if we don't choose to let go of where we've been, we will never get where he's calling us. We have traded truth for opinion and emotion. We've traded the powerful move of the Holy Spirit for production and lights. Mm, here it comes. Buckle your seatbelt. We've removed doctrine and biblical truth in order to seem relevant in the hour. We no longer preach the cross, sin, and repentance, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, prayer, divine healing, deliverance, or the rapture of the church. Where is the church? Because all we are is a Sesame Street cookie cutout. The wheels on the bus go round and round, round, bleh. One of these things are not like you doggone right. Because we don't look like what the word told us to look like. Over the next few weeks, I want to navigate us as a family, one people, one family, one house through the rubble of what the church has become. And in the new season, this new season where you and I are standing right now, we have to see what God is talking about. And he is unleashing us into to go. It's time for the church to rise from the ashes and stand strong. You cannot sit still and be silent any longer. Do not. Let me say this to you. Ooh, I feel this so deep in my bones. Do not claim yourselves a believer and sit silently. 
Because you will find out that you are not who you say you are. Because a believer opens his mouth and says something. A believer will not sit quietly and let people die. A believer will not sit idly by and go, well, it's not my place. Are you stupid? It is your place. If it's against the word, open your mouth and say something. If it's contrary to the kingdom, bring change to it. If someone's going to hell, rescue them. Well, you know, I, I just don't want to, I don't, I don't want to say anything. I don't want to offend them. I would rather offend you and have you ignore me than keep ignoring God. But I need to give you a caution where we're going. Because during the course of this series, I'm going to need you to buckle your seatbelt. I'm going to need you to put away your old ways, whatever you've been into, whatever you've walked through, whatever church you've come out of, whatever ministry you sat under. I don't care. I don't care about what you heard in the yesterdays. I care about what we're hearing right now in this hour. Because if we keep living on yesterday's manna, we'll never get to tomorrow's manna. I'm going to keep living on what they fed me 40 years ago. 40 years ago is part of the problem. This is not in my notes, but I'm going to say it anyway. If we keep living where we've been, we will never change what's happening on the streets of our cities and our culture. Well, but, 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 okay, Lord, help my mouth today. But, Pastor, I'm not a racist. I didn't say you were. But if we keep saying that, then we refuse to embrace the moment that we're in to bring change so that we can all stand together as one and be like the kingdom of God. That's right. Yeah, this is not, and I'm going to say this verbatim, verbatim. This, I need you to take this to your grave, and if you don't like me for it, I don't care. If we keep playing with what we used to be, we will never become who God's called us to be. God says in this hour, I need you to put all that away because I'm trying to do a new thing in you. I need you to put on the mind of Christ. I need you to put on your big boy and big girl pants. Pull them up. Because we got to walk through some stuff. But I promise you at the end of this, we as a family, we as a church, you and your household will experience the miraculous power that God has imparted to us as believers on the day of Pentecost. I've decided in this house that every time that the day of Pentecost comes, it will be a celebration in this house. That is my New Year's. That is my New Year's. Forget January 1st. I don't care about January 1st. Every time that we come yearly to the day of Pentecost, that will be the New Year for the church. Because that will be the day that we embark on the next season of what he's called us to. I'm shifting things in this place because God's told me to. I need you to be ready. But I promise you, it's going to be a great time. And with that, we will walk in the fullness that he has, for us, has had for us all along. So with that, are you ready to go? You ain't even started preaching it. Nope, I haven't. Amen. Turn. You got your Bibles? Acts chapter 2. And while I'm saying if you got your Bibles, bring your Bibles to church. If you don't have a Bible, I got a lot of Bibles. I'll buy you a Bible. I don't care. I'll give a Bible away if you need a Bible. Now, if you got a Bible and you're just too lazy to bring it, then that's a problem. But if you really need a Bible, I'll get you a Bible. Why do I believe in Bibles? Because I believe we're too easy on the phones and the tablets. We have forgotten the power of the tangible Word of God. Well, watch this. Somebody bring me their phone. Give me the phone. Give me the phone. I don't know about you, but which one are you going to believe? Come on, well, if I put a cross on my case, you know, it'll be holy. 
The world will see it and they'll know that I'm carrying my word. No, you're not. You're carrying your opinions of Facebook and Instagram. Intertwined with the word. Here's the crazy thing. Did you know you can't intertwine Facebook and Instagram into this? It is the word. I can't put emotion or opinion in this. This is the word, the truth of God. This can be moved. This can't be moved. I remember when I was a kid. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm getting off on tangents this morning. Here, catch. Amen. Okay. He's got insurance. Amen. I remember, I remember, I remember I was seven years old and I heard from the pulpit. I heard somebody say from the pulpit, they said, stand on the word of God. I remember going home. Nobody was in my room. And I remember in a moment of as being a child, I threw my Bible on the word and I stood on it. I said, hey, God, I'm standing on your word. Go stand on your phone. Well, I ain't standing on my phone, Pastor. I ain't standing on my phone. That's my phone. I spent too much money on the phone. There's too much trust in that phone. Okay. Sidebar, I just had to give that to you real quick. Amen. We got to get back to the word. All right, Acts chapter 2, verse 40, you got it? Just scroll your finger, you'll get there. Acts chapter 2, verse 40. It says, it says, and with many other words, he, being Peter, testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Hello? Hello? Do we not live in a perverse generation? If you sit there and look at me and go, no, you're blind. You're thick. Because we live in a perverse, very, very perverse generation. And it goes on in verse 4 and it says, Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them, added to the church, added to the kingdom of God. What happened to the day where 3,000 people were added to the kingdom? Where it's a struggle just to get one to respond to an altar call today. I'm going to tell you where it's happened, and I see it right here. You ready? Because this is where I'm going to stop. I'm going to sit in the Acts chapter 2 for the next few weeks, but I'm going to break this down piece by piece because as I was writing, God said, stop right here. I have to go back to this statement in verse 41. It says, then those who gladly received his word. Whose word? Peter's word. But what word was Peter declaring? God's word. He says, so let me, let me paraphrase. Those who gladly received the word of the Lord. Those who gladly received God's word were what? Baptized. You know people have jumped into baptism without receiving gladly the word of God? And wondered why it didn't wash them away? Okay, I gotta get this, okay. The absolute most important, most imperative, most crucial, undeniable, insurpassable thing that we must do in this hour as we go forward is gladly receive the word of God. For long enough now, we have built our lives, our ministries, our churches, and everything else on opinions, emotions, and feelings. We hear the word, but do not receive it. Better yet, we don't even gladly receive it. If we can't receive the word of God, then we cannot receive from God. John 1, 1 says it just like this. In the beginning was what? And the word was what? And the word was I can just sit there and say amen, time to go home, have a good day. But I'm not going to do it. John 1, 1 says in the beginning was the Word. Before time was the Word. Before you was the Word. Before the foundations of the world, or before the world was spoken into existence was the Word. Because the Word was with God and the Word was God. How in the world do we expect to live as believers without the Word? How do we expect to grow as believers without the word? 
well, I figure if I just go to church and you preach a good message, well, I'm going to make my way in. I hate to say this to you. But those who just live on my preaching and this moment are nothing much more than empty tombs, barren wastelands. Just the exterior looks right, but the interior has no substance. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And I could go on, but I just want to sit right there for a second. You can't separate God from His Word. And in order for you and I to move forward and become the church God intended us to be, we're going to have to go backwards before we can go forwards. Yes, we're going to have to take some steps backwards because what we've done is we have ignored what Jesus said, what was told, what was given to us at the day of Pentecost. We have walked away from it. The church looks nothing like what God told us to do. You can look at me all you want with whatever thoughts you have in your head, but look at the church today. It does not look the way God said for it to be. We have put too much, ah, too much hype on the preacher. We've put too much energy into feel-goods. We refuse to speak truth. We speak opinion and emotion because if we speak opinion and emotion, people will keep coming and filling seats. We'll twist Scripture in order for it to fill our pockets. I'm saying it. You ain't saying amen to me yet. Amen. We will say things in order to feel good because really what it's all about in this hour is appearance. Come on, work with me for a second. We've all done it. At some moment of our church life, we've come to church knowing that there were problems in our lives, but we tried to appear like we were there. Come on, work with me for a second. No, Pastor, I've I've never liars. Don't do it. Don't sit here and let the enemy convince you to be prideful and not admit that you have had struggles and you have had moments where you have not pursued God. You've pursued appearance. Let me appear like I'm whole. Let me convince the pastor. Let me convince the church that I'm holy. But let me go back to the disheveled, desolate place I call home and let me crawl back into my bed, pull the covers over my head and weep all night until I come back on Sunday morning and I put enough makeup or comb the hair back far enough so that no one knows that for the last six days I have been weeping and and the gnawing and gnashing of teeth have been biting at my backside and I don't know whether I'm going to make it or not. Let me. No, you know what needs to happen? You need to leave all that foolishness at home. Come to the house of God and let God see the realness of who you are. Let other believers know that they can stand with you because you don't understand how many people are in this room that are just like you. I don't know if I can go to this church. Why? Why? Well, there's nobody like me here. Can I tell you that's why the church is emptying? Because the world can't find people that are real. They find people who are fake. They walk into churches and people go, oh, look, I've been in ministry. I've been in church since I was in my teens. Shut up. No one cares. I had a preacher one time tell me, well, I, 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 I've never sinned. Man, I'm so glad when God wrote scripture said all have fallen short of the glory of God, he was not talking about you. I've never sinned. I've never, never. I've never, never. Look at me. When I wake up in the morning, the angels of the Lord 
descend from the heavens. They stand at the four corners of my bed and they sing in one accord. When I get out of my bed, my feet don't even touch the floor. I just levitate straight to the bathroom. I look in the mirror and go, God, you did it again. I go from there. I, I float to the kitchen and the coffee is already prepared in its perfection. It's like the angel of the Lord went to Starbucks, ordered what I wanted, and brought it to my kitchen. I drink that coffee. I receive the nectar of the Holy Spirit. No wonder the church is empty. Instead of, you know, man, I got this morning, my body hurt. But I reminded myself as I put on the full armor of God that he was going to heal me. I put that one foot in front of the other and marched myself to the bathroom. I looked at myself in the mirror and I said, God, I might not see what I want to see, so help me see what you see. I turned away from that bathroom. I walked into the kitchen. I realized I had to make my own cup of coffee. And it was not Starbucks. And I made my little cup of coffee and I drank it and I realized I needed to get my mind right. That I needed to put on the mind of Christ this morning so that I could march through my day. And yes, I got into my car and it seemed like all hell broke loose. So I got to work and it seemed like all hell broke loose. But I kept on marching in faith and in victory because God says that he'll go before me and come behind me. That I'm the head and not the tail. That I'm above and not beneath. I shall lend and not borrow. I'm going to declare that. See, what I'm trying to say is that's got to be how we are. That's got to be how we operate. you got to identify that there are people in this room that are struggling. You want me to prove it right now? Watch this. How many in this room right now are going through a struggle are you wrong for being in a struggle no it's whether or not you build a house in the middle of that struggle and if you start to build a house in the middle of your struggle and I permit it I let you then I don't care about you because if I had the mind of Christ I would want to rescue you from building a home in your pain okay that was just a sidebar y'all made me get off my notes in order for you and I to move, to move forward, we've got to go backwards. We have to go back to the very fundamentals of our faith. And the only way we can succeed is through what? His word. Oh, his word. I'm praying and believing, and I'm going to say this to you very strongly. I am praying and believing that this will be a house that carries its Bible. I'm believing that this will be a house that holds on to the word of God. I'm believing that this is a house that instead of you calling me, you will consult the scriptures and let the word of God speak to you. We can no longer interpret the word in order to feel okay in our sin and approve contrary behavior. We can no longer pick and choose which gospel is for us on a given day. We can no longer squeeze the word of God through our cookie cutter of complacency in order to feed our own agendas. No, we must receive the word of God, the fullness of its context, even when it hurts. Even when it hurts. Hurts. Pastor, I don't want to be hurt by the word. Maybe you need to be hurt by the word. Because maybe you don't understand who God is because if you let the word hurt you, it will actually cut off the things that are killing you. Are you excited about the word? Or do you look at it as a weight keeping you from doing what you want? Do you trust it enough to apply it, to live in it, even at the detriment of losing your social popularity? Is it the foundation of your faith? Is it your fire by night and your cloud by day? Is it your comfort in times of trouble? Your shield in times of war? What is the word of God to you? You can't have God without his word. And I believe the main reason for the desolation of the church in today's culture is that we have stepped away from his word. Look around you. Look at the world today. Look what we're dealing with. The word of God is not in our mouth. Our opinions and our emotions are.
You want me to prove it? Post something on social media today and watch how many people attack you. But declare the kingdom of God and watch how many people leave you alone. If I put scripture, no one says a word. If I say what I think, everyone has an opinion. Maybe the problem is, is we've turned the word and we've shifted it to our opinions, not fact. I, I'm going to every problem. I'm going to say this. You might argue with me, but I don't care. Every problem you have is a word problem. Every problem. Every problem in your life is a word problem. Every problem. If you got a problem, it's because you don't have enough word in you yet. Because I understand that because of the word of God, I have an escape from every situation. I have a way out, but it's God's way, not mine. From the day of Pentecost, when we were launched into ministry to the present day, what has changed? God's word hasn't. We've just put it on the shelf. We've lost interest in the word. I'm going to say this to you. We've gained more interest in reading everybody's books than reading scripture. We buy more Christian books than we do the word of God. Oh, it's a proven fact right now in bookstores and online. More sought after today are books about Christianity and about your walk than about the word. More books on Christian living are sold than the Bible is sold. Years ago, God said this to me. He said, Brian, do not get lost. Go look in my office. There are about 60 books on my shelves I've never read. Because almost every time I pick up some of them, God says, the moment that becomes your source, then I lose my ground in you. And I need you to declare my word more than you declare everybody else's thoughts. There is nothing wrong with Christian living books, but it cannot be the source of your foundation. It cannot be your faith. It cannot be what moves you like a mountain. There are books out there that will help you in your walk. But please do not, please do not substitute the word for someone else's book. Well, it's easier to read a book like this than it is to read a book like this. I can read a book like this. I don't understand the Bible. Can I, can I just say this to you? When you say you don't understand the Bible, it's because you have chosen to reject understanding the Bible. Because if you put on the mind of Christ and begin to read the word, God will begin to speak to you and give you understanding as you read. Okay, that is sidebars. Okay, okay. From the day of Pentecost, we were launched in this ministry. Present day, what has changed? The word, not God's word, where we've put it. We don't carry it like a sword any longer. We carry it as a feather to tickle our own fantasies. We've rewritten scripture to fit us rather than allow his word to mold us and shape us into his image. We've removed the accountability and replaced it with complacency. Where is the word in you today? Does it have significance? Does it bring you to your knees? Does it have you crying out in the midnight hour? Do you receive it? Do you gladly receive it? The last time the word was preached, did you smile? Or did you make a face that went, uh-uh, I don't like that. Because until we get to a place that we can gladly receive the word, then we cannot gladly receive God. Therefore, we will keep him at arm's length and then complain while we have no intimacy with him. To prove this point, I want to read to you a scripture this morning. So turn with me in your Bibles to the very beginning of your Bibles, to the book of Deuteronomy. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 28. I'm going to read this scripture to you because I believe there's some powerful statements in this scripture. I think there's really some declarative. I want you to receive what this word declares over you. You ready to read it? Yeah. Good. 
The Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the world. Your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offsprings of your herds and flocks will be blessed. Your fruit baskets and your breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go and whatever you do will be blessed. Anybody getting excited yet? You're like, man, that's a word for me. Here it goes a little further. The Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. They will attack you from one direction, but they will scatter from you in seven. Can I get an amen from somebody? The Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do and will fill your storehouse with grain. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he is giving you. The Lord will establish you as his holy people as he swore he would do. Then all the nations of the world will see that you are people claimed by the Lord and they will stand in awe of you. Come on, I'm, I'm, I'm preaching better than you're amening right now. The Lord will give you prosperity. Prosperity in the land he swore to your ancestors to give you blessing. You, you with many children, numerous livestock and abundant crops. The Lord will send rain at the proper time from his rich treasury in the heavens and will bless all the works you do. You will lend the money to the nations, but you will never need to borrow from them. The Lord will make you the head, not the tail. You will always be on top and never at the bottom. And the church said, Amen. Did you see what I skipped? <laughs> Did you see what I jumped over? Yeah. Go back. Go, go, to, go, go to that next slide. Michael, we're going to give him the real word. If you what? Jesus. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all his commandments that I'm giving you today. The Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the world. Pastor, just go back to the other one. I, I don't need that other part. I, you didn't gladly receive it. Every promise from God has a precursor of work. That there's work in the king. Duh. But we want to skip all the meat. Because the meat is not in the blessing. The meat is in the obedience. If you fully obey the Lord your God. I read this to my wife last night, and I'm not even going to get into the second part of chapter 28, because if you read the second part of chapter 28, you're going to go crawl in a hole and want to die. Because it's this long, and it tells you some stuff. I might still read it if I have time. Amen. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all his commandments that I'm giving you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the world. Do not ask God to change your position if you won't obey him. It goes on in verse 2. You'll experience all the blessings... If you what? Obey. What? Could I put in the word? Because God is the word. And the word is God. So if I obey the word, watch what comes. Your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go and whatever you do, you will be blessed. If I do what? Obey. What? Goes on in verse 7, it says, the Lord will conquer your enemies. Hello. So obedience is the precursor to victory. And we keep shouting, God, give me a victory. God says, you've been obedient yet? Well, God, I don't know what to do. It's because you haven't read my word yet. You've made up a word, but you haven't read my word. They will attack you from one direction, but they will scatter from you in seven. The Lord will guarantee a... What does he say there? He'll do what? He, he did what? When was the last time you really thought about God guaranteeing you something? The Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do and will fill your storehouses with grain. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he has given you. Here it comes. Here it comes. Buckle your seatbelts. Number nine. If 
you obey the commands of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. The Lord will establish you as his holy people. So the establishment of holiness comes from what? Obedience and walking in whose way? And how do you walk in his way? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. A light unto my path. You can't walk without a light. Hello. And the word is that light. See, see, here's what's happening in the culture of the church right now. We're not consulting the word. We're consulting what feels good for the moment. I'm going to give you the word even if you get uncomfortable. I'm going to give you the word even if you don't like it in the moments we live in. I'm going to give you the truth of the gospel, not the truth of what I feel. Okay. The Lord will establish you as his holy people as he swore to do. Then all the nations, verse, uh, verse 10, then all the nations of the Lord of the world will see that you are a people claimed by the Lord and they will stand in awe of you. In other words, he'll get rid of your orphan spirit. <laughs> in other words, once you find yourself in obedience to the word of God, walking in his ways, you can't walk around and say, I don't have parents. You've got the greatest parent of all. <laughs> My mom and dad didn't love me. Nobody loves me, but God still does, Jack. And he will fill the void of that existence if you will allow him to fill it. Let him become Abba, Father, in your life, not Sugar Daddy when you want him. I'm just giving it as it comes. Yeah, I, was, I told you, Buck, you see, but put your big boy pants on. The Lord will give you prosperity in the land he swore to your ancestors to give you blessings, blessing you with many children, numerous livestock, and abundant, look at me losing my page here, and abundant crops. Verse 12, you get anything out of this yet? Good. The Lord will send rain at the proper time from his rich treasury in the heavens and will bless all the work you do. In other words, you'll never do another thing in vain because you'll consult the word before you consult your wants. You will lend money to many nations. When he says that in scripture, and I look this into, it'll, it's lent unto many generations. There, there were many families. You will lend money too many families. Nations were families of people in the Bible times, okay? You will lend money to many nations, but you will never need to borrow from them. In other words, God will continue to fill your treasury. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give unto your bosom. That word men is people you don't know. He'll bring the blessing from places you didn't expect because you're willing to give. Y'all think that tithe and offering is a church thing? It's a God thing. It's a word thing. Read your Bible. It's all. It's interlaced from Genesis to Revelations. Giving is a, is not, well, that's Old Testament. I don't believe in doing what. Let me say this to you real quick. If you don't believe in the Old Testament and you believe that the Old Testament is just for factual truths, I need you right now to grab your Bible, go from Genesis all the way to Matthew, and right before Matthew, I need you to tear it out. But understand in the process you are going to abort some things that you like to claim a hold of. You're going to get rid of some books that you like to quote when you're going through a struggle. You're going to have to walk away from the full promise of God. Because Psalms and Proverbs fall in the Old Testament. But I want to declare Psalms and Proverbs. I want to declare the blessings of God. You can't have the blessings if you get rid of the Old Testament. 
But I don't want to live in the Old Testament. I want to live in the New Testament. You can't without the old. Watch this. If you're 65 and above, if you can, stand to your feet. Go ahead, stand to your feet. I know you're in the room. I don't want to admit I'm 65 and above. Nobody cares. We're not going to go write a book about how your age. Okay, 65 and above. Anybody in this room lying right now because you don't want to admit to it? Amen. Like, I'm not telling them how old I am. I'm not saying it. Look, I'm looking forward to the day I can claim that cheap cup of coffee. Amen. Okay. I need you to understand that if you want to get rid of the Old Testament, then I need you to kill everybody that's standing right now. Hello. It got real, real quick, didn't it? Because the church culture today wants to obliterate this generation from it. Because it doesn't want the wisdom where they came from. It just wants to rewrite their own stories and their own wants and desires. But I would rather glean from this culture to learn what they've been through so that I don't make the same mistake. So when y'all can sit now. So when you read the Old Testament and you start digging through the Old Testament, it gives you a pathway to walk so that when you walk into Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, you don't, dis, you don't dis, just push away Jesus. You receive him in the moment that he shows up. Rather than going, I need to be taught now in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you've gone through Genesis up until that moment, and you go, man, I've been waiting for this moment to receive the Messiah that is coming into my life. Oh, look what he's going to do. We want to obliterate it. We want to throw it away. The Lord will send rain at the proper time from his treasury in the heavens and will bless all the work you do. You will lend to many nations, but you will never need to borrow from them. If, if you listen, stop right there. Get your earplugs out. Stop doing this. La, 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 la. I'm not listening. I'm not listening. Oh, you said blessings? Okay, I'm listening. Oh, you said obey. La, 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 la. You said clean my room. La, 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 la. You said go to bed early. La, 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 la. You said blessings. Oh, God, God, I'm listening. I'm listening. God, I got you. I'm ready to listen. God, God, I really want to wake up and be to church on time. You got to go to bed. La, 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 You said, oh, oh, you'll wake me up. No, that's not what I said. Because see what happens, the more we start ignoring what he says, we start rewriting and calling it his voice. Can, can I say this? I just want to hear the voice of God. I can't give it to you any better than this. Hear the word of the Lord. It's right here. It's right here. If we as a church, as a global church, cannot get back to this, we will abort being a part of the next move of God. Almost done. If you listen to these commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today, and if you carefully obey them, the Lord will make you the head and not And you will always be on top and never on bottom. You must not turn away from any of these commands I'm giving you today, nor follow after other gods and worship them. Hold on. Because we, we okay, Pastor, that's great. You, 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 gave us, you gave us that great scripture about, you know, what we're going to do. And, and, and man, Pastor, I'm so excited about it. And, okay, I'm going to be obedient. But let, let, me, let me give you just a piece. Of what he goes on to say. 
Because this is where we want to ignore God, right? This is where we're like, I want to hear this part. I don't want to hear this. Let, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me just, let me, let me just give it to you. Back in chapter 28, if you go right past where I just read in verse 14. This is what he says, but it shall come to pass if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today, that all the curses will come upon you and overtake you. Would I be safe to say that right now we are dealing with a curse? I'm not talking about coronavirus, calm down. I'm talking about the situation that we're dealing with with people. Do you understand there's a curse in slavery? Okay. Well, just bear with me for a second. But if you will not follow my commands, I've given you today that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. Cursed shall you be in the city and cursed shall you be in the country. Cursed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Cursed shall be the fruit of your body and the produce of your land. The increases of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks. Cursed shall you be when you come in and cursed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will send on you cursing, confusion, and rebuke in all that you set your hands to do until you are destroyed and until you perish quickly. Because of the wickedness of your doings in which you have forsaken me. The Lord will make the plague cling to you until he has consumed you from the land which you are going to possess. The Lord will strike you with consumption, with fever, with inflammation, with severe burning fever, with the sword, with scorching, and with mildew. They shall pursue you until you perish. Your heavens, which are over your head, shall be bronze, and the earth, which is under you, shall be iron. The Lord will change the rain of your land to powder and dust. From the heaven it shall come down on you until you are destroyed. Anybody want me to keep reading? I'm going to keep reading. The Lord will cause you to be defeated before your enemies. You shall go out one way against them and flee seven ways before them, and you shall become troublesome to the king, to all the kingdoms of the earth. Your carcasses shall be food for all the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth, and no one shall frighten them away. The Lord will strike you with the boils of Egypt, with tumors, with scabs, and with the itch from which you cannot be healed. The Lord will strike you with madness and blindness and confusion of heart. Sound like some of the world we're living in right now? Verse 29, and you shall grow, you shall grope at the noonday as a blind man gropes in the darkness. You shall not prosper in your ways. You shall be only oppressed and plundered continually, and no one shall save you. You shall betroth the wife, but another man shall lie with her. I'm reading the word. He spoke it already in Deuteronomy that if we did not make the word our foundation, this would be the curse that would fall on us. Don't tell me that cheating in your marriage is because you weren't doing it. It's because the word is not the foundation of your marriage. Because if you read your word, you'd find out how to love each other. He says, you shall betroth the wife, but another man shall lie with her. You shall build a house, but you shall not dwell in it. You shall 
plant a vineyard, but you shall not gather its grapes. Your ox shall be slaughtered before your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. Your donkey shall be violently taken away from before you and shall not be restored to you. Your sheep shall be given to your enemies, and you shall have no one to rescue them. Your sons and your daughters shall be given to another people, and your eyes shall look and fall with longing for them all day long, and there shall be no strength in your hand. Do you understand what I read when I saw that? I saw that orphan spirit show up when I started reading. I started to see the 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 the, the pe- parents not parenting their kids anymore and having to give them to other families. This this is the lands we're living in. A nation whom you have not known shall eat the fruit of your land and the produce of your labor, and you shall be only oppressed and crushed continually. So you shall be driven mad because of the sight with your eye, which your eyes see. The Lord will strike you in the knees and on the legs with severe boils which cannot be healed. And from the sole of your foot, from the top of your head, the Lord will bring you and the king whom you set over you to a nation which neither you nor your fathers have known. And and there you shall serve other gods, wood and stone. And you shall become an astonishment, a proverb, and a byword among all nations where the Lord will drive you. You shall carry much seed out to the field but gather little in. For the locusts shall come and consume it. You shall plant vineyards and tend them, but you shall neither drink of the wine nor gather the grapes, for the worms shall eat them. You shall have olive trees throughout all of your territory, but you shall not anoint yourself with oil. For your olives shall drop off. You shall beget sons and daughters, but they shall not be yours, for they shall go into captivity. Locusts shall consume all your trees and the produce of your land. The alien who is among you shall rise higher and higher above you, and you shall come down lower and lower. He shall lend to you, but you shall not lend to him. He shall be the head, and you shall be the tail. Moreover, all these curses shall come upon you and pursue you and overtake you until you are destroyed, because you did not obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes which he commanded you. Stop right there. I'm so grateful for the grace of God. But here's the problem. We want to read the blessing. But we want to ignore the consequences. And until we can embrace the consequences, we cannot embrace the blessings. And until we fulfill the process, we will not inherit the blessings. The day of us coming to God because we need a handout is over. Because now you will be met with this from God. Did you obey? No, sir, I did not. Then go back and obey. Come back to me when you obey. Pastor, how can you say it so hard? Because I think that's what should have been said a long time ago. Listen, let me, let me, let me say this to you. Be careful that you don't claim a blessing. Watch what I'm about to say. Don't claim it's God blessing you if you're not doing what God told you to do. Because it'll be a matter of time before that blessing dries up. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use this one because I, my wife and I live this every day of our lives. Don't come to me and tell me you got a promotion on your job and you got the favor of God on your finances when you don't do what God says to bring your tithe into the storehouse. I mean, let me say why I say this. Because you can get caught up in what you see but never inherit the blessings that God has in front of you. You might get a blessing, and the blessing might be there so God can show you how good he is, 
But if you ignore his word, what to do with what he's given you, then he will dry that sucker up and cause the locust to eat it up. And you'll sit back and go, I don't understand what happened. Why did I lose my job? Because you weren't obedient. I believe, and I know this is unpopular teaching, but I believe in this hour God is saying, I'm calling the church to walk in obedience to my word. And I will accept nothing less. And I know that is a hard word to swallow. Because we like sin. We do. We like gossip. We like backbiting. We like cursing. We like getting drunk. Oh, you didn't want me saying that. Okay. We like all the sins of the flesh, but want to claim the saving grace of the Father. You're going to have to choose. Obedience says leaving the old behind, pressing on towards the mark. I leave my past behind. I leave my pain. I leave what tried to kill me. I leave it. I will never be good enough to go pick it back up. I leave it behind. I disconnect from it and I press on and I keep my eyes focused on the prize and I'm led by the spirit, the cloud by day and the fire by night. I am going to hold on to his word. And when I don't want to under, when I don't know what to do, I'm going to make my word my Facebook. In other words, I'm going to put my face in the book. Not your face in everybody else's backyards. When you see somebody on social media post something you don't agree with, shut up and pray. Don't combat them with an opinion. Give them scripture, but give them full context, baby. Don't give them opinions. Don't make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches trying to squeeze everything together and make it look cute. Somebody said, "Why, Pastor, why did you bring out all these Bibles? These are all the Bibles out of my office. Pastor, you like hoarding Bibles. No, they're all different. When I study, I consult almost all of this. You know why? Because I want to get all the word in me, not some of the word. Don't ask for these. I'm not giving these to you. These are mine. My kids even have Bibles in my office. Amen. I almost brought the pink and the purple ones out too. There's, there's a spirit-filled life Bible here. There's a there's a Billy Graham Training Center Bible here. There's, there's different translations. There's a revival study Bible. There's a, there's a, 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 this one's got four versions, and it. it's got New International Version, King James Version, New King James Version, and the Amplified. All in one. I got a lot of Bible here. But all your stacks of Bible don't mean jack until you put it inside. The next time you want to say something, consult your word before you talk. Let the word of God lead you. And I promise you, whatever's happening in the earth, we will overcome. We're overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the Word. Watch, which is our testimony. I'm trying to give you something here. Not your complaints of the pain of your past, but the Word, which is our testimony, that nothing, nothing shall separate us from the love of God. Get the word in you. Get the word in you. I'm challenging you this week, man. Get your Bibles out. Read them. Pastor, I don't know where to start. Ask God to lead you. That's what I do. Hey, God, I'm about to read your word. Speak to me. I'm ready to listen. I want to receive from you this morning. Make it a priority. Before you do everything else, get your Bible out. If you've got to get up a little earlier, make God the priority of your life. I've said this to you before, and this is how I'll close. This is how I read my Bible every time I read my Bible. This is something I've done since I was 19 years old. 
I'm now 42. I don't do math quick. 23 years. Every time I read my Bible, this is what I do. I hold my word. Literally, when I come in here to pray, this is what I do. I grab my Bible and I say, Father, erase every thought from my mind. Every imagination that would try to get inside of me during this time, God, I ask that you completely remove it. God, I need to hear from you. I need a word from you. And I know it's through your word that you speak to me. God, lead me, guide me, direct me what to read in this moment that will bring life, bring change, bring metamorphosis to my existence as a believer. Father, I am willing to be changed by your word. I'm willing to be shifted. I accept the responsibility of being changed in this moment. I will not argue. I will not fight. I will receive what it is you choose to speak to me today. In Jesus' name. What I do is I open myself ready to receive. And then I ask him, I say, God, lead me. Lead me. What do you mean, read? For 23 years, every time I've prayed that prayer, there were a prayer like that. God has given me what to read. And when I read it, it completely blows my mind. And sometimes it's things I don't want to hear. Like there was a time when I was making a bunch of mistakes and I was in jail and I'd gotten out of jail and my own family couldn't even take me. My, my dad wouldn't even let me come home because I had burnt every bridge known to mankind. And I ended up sleeping in a guest bedroom at a friend's house. A loving lady decided to allow me to come stay at her house. She moved her kid out of her own bedroom so I might have a bed to sleep in for a couple of days. And I remember laying on the bed, and I remember, and, and I wish I could tell you what that scripture was today, but I'm going to paraphrase what it said to me in that moment. It said, Brian, if you keep choosing this way, I'll cut you off. Because I have given you more than enough opportunities for you not to reject me. But as long as you reject me, you will find yourself in captivity. It shook me to my core so at a place that I have never turned back since. It was those days that I realized the call of God on my life, and I stepped into it, and I stopped running. Sometimes God will say things you don't want to hear, but you have to gladly receive the word because it's his word, not yours. Church, we have to become a church of the word, not a church of opinion and emotion, not a church of colorful lights and feel goods. These things happen, yes, but this is not what draws you. This word shall draw you. This word should draw you. It should draw you in and help you build a foundation so that you can grow forever. It's time we get back to the word of God. Everybody stand to your feet. I know I'm atypically done or try to get done at 1130, but I guess since we were gone for so long, I'm making up for some weeks. Amen. But I'm not going to apologize to forgiving you the word. I'm not going to apologize for the time it takes. I could take you to some churches I used to go to where the three or four hours. We didn't argue about sitting through those service because we were getting good word. Don't be so quick to run away from good food. Eat. Eat of the word. Digest it and let it change you from the inside out. Let me, let me say this to you. Let me say this to you. Let the word be apparent to your face. What do you mean, Pastor? Can I just say this? You don't get offended, but I don't care. Some of y'all look like sour grapes. And I wouldn't know if the joy of the Lord hit you if it didn't smack you dead in your forehead. 
man, let me tell you something. The smile on your face will come when you start reading the word and gladly receiving whatever it declares over you because the joy of the Lord will become your strength. Man, smile. It's much more, It's much easier than being frustrated. Take life's punches and move on, man. God's got you through this. That's what his word says. Walk in it. For those of you who don't know, I had to go to the hospital the other day. Uh, and I wasn't going to tell you all this, but I'll tell you real quick. Um, went into Walmart, and I had every marker of a heart attack. And um, took myself to the hospital. Yeah, I took myself, Jack. Because I'm like that. I serve a big God. I took myself to the hospital, and I knew going in, I told my wife, I said, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. Because I know that the moment you go in there and you tell them you're having heart issues or chest issues, they're going to admit you overnight. And I hate staying at the hospital. I hate it. And so I went in, and I, on my way, and I tell you where I was, I was driving down Fremont, and I remember praying this prayer. Hey, God, whatever this is, I need an answer today. I'm trusting on you for an answer right now. Before I get to the hospital, I need an answer from you. I'm trusting that I'm going to get an answer today. So I go in the hospital, and they do all their tests, and my heart's beating like a fine old machine. Those of you who know I had surgery last year on my heart, they'd fix some stuff, and, and now I'm, I'm, I'm running. I'm good. This heart's beating like I'm 20 years old. I'm good to go. But I was still having these weird issues. And the doctor walks in, and, and the first doctor walks in, and I'm still in the room. I'm like, God, okay, they're telling me all the good stuff. Right? You're good. We don't know what's wrong. We don't. I said, God, I asked you on the way here. I needed a word. I don't care what it is. And I'm going to tell you this, because, I, and I don't mind saying this to you. God, I don't care if it's cancer. Just give me a word so I can put it at the throne room of God. I don't care what it is. Whatever it is, I'm good. Just tell me what it is so I can lay it at the foot of Jesus. So I'm in there, and the doctor comes back in, and they shift doctors on me, and another doctor walks in. Her name is Joanne. I don't know who she is. She's an ER doctor, black lady. She walks in, and she goes, Mr. Dean. And, of course, when you're in the hospital, they ask you 52 times what happened. I was so tired of telling the story. It's like, the next person asks me while I'm up in here, I'm going to lose my mind. But she goes, can you tell me what happened? I'm like, here we go again. And she's like, you know what? Hold on. And she walks out, and she comes back, and she goes, Mr. Dean, I don't know why I feel like I need to do this, but I need to do it. We need to do a sonogram. I'm not pregnant. What, what you need a sonogram for, Jack? Hold up, I'm pregnant with a promise, but the baby ain't there. No, we're good. She said, no, I feel like we need to check your pancreas, your gallbladder, and your kidneys. I've been in the hospital like 10 times. Ain't nobody's checked that. So the lady comes in the sonogram machine. She sits down next to me. She starts checking things. I said, like, that looks good. Check the aurora. That looks good. Kidneys look good. Your pancreas looks good. She gets my gallbladder. She said, hmm. She said, the doctor got that one right this time. I said, what do you mean? She goes, I can't tell you. I see something, but they'll tell you later. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> what do you mean? She said, she said, I'm not supposed to tell you, but you have a stone. I said, okay, cool. So the doctor comes in. They said, we found something. We're going to look at it. We'll talk to you more about it later. So the next morning, the doctor comes in. The gastroenterologist comes in. He says, Mr. Dean, I bet you're wondering. You're in the cardiac wing, and the first doctor you see in the morning is the gastroenterologist. And I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of questioning some stuff. He goes, you have a gallbladder stone. And I'm like, oh, I know. It's small. And he goes, no, it's two inches in diameter. And he said, that stone can cause you to have markers of a heart attack. What did I ask God for? And what did I get? Because when I did the stress test on Friday morning, 
my heart, my cardiologist was in the room. And he said, Brian, your heart's beating like a 22-year-old. He said, there's nothing wrong with your heart. There is zero. He said, I looked and saw where the burn marks are on the back of your heart where they did the ablation. He said, Brian, everything is healed perfectly. He said, I couldn't ask for a more perfect healing of that tissue. I said, cool, I'm good. He goes, we got to get the gallbladder thing dealt with. He said, because I've been dealing with high blood pressure since the surgery. He said, it's causing your high blood pressure. What did I ask for? My word says that my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory, which are in Christ Jesus. I claimed the word. I held on to it, and I walked out in two days with an answer. And you can do the same thing. Stop walking into a moment of despair, getting freaked out. Oh, God, shut up. God, what does your word say? I'm going to hold on to your word. I'm going to lean on your word. And when I lean on your word, you're going to be faithful because this is what's going to stop the curse of sin and death. This thing seals that sucker shut and changes my existence. It's time that we get in our words. Grab a hold of the hand neighbor that's standing next to you right now. <sighs> Anybody hungry for lunch yet? Good. You'll be perfectly on time. Amen. To get your to-go meal to go home. Amen. No, Pastor, I'm going to social distance in the restaurant. I'll enjoy that. I'm going home, Jack. Squeeze that hand. If you stand in this place and you say, Pastor, I've put everything else before my word. <laughs> I've allowed other things to take place of the word in my life. Without any reservation, say that to me. Some of you didn't say it right there because you didn't want to admit to it. I want to say it, 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 I want to say it. You know, it doesn't matter whether you say it or not, God still knows. <laughs> you might as well suck it up and just say, hey, that's me. Do you know how many times I, as a human being, as a person, as a pastor, have allowed other things to supersede the word in my life? I told you when I had my heart issues the first time, I laid on this couch for four months sleeping on the couch because I was afraid to go to bed because I didn't want my wife waking up to a dead husband. That's how much fear crept into me. You know why? Because I let fear overtake my word. How much stuff is fighting you right now that you're letting the word just be subdued in your existence? Because you're letting, you're letting everything else come in and steal from you. I'm never going to have what I need. I'm, never, I'm, I'm always going to be struggling. God, why can't anything change? I just read it to you. That when we obey the word of the Lord, when we live by the word of the Lord and walk in his plans, the curse stops. It stops. It is the foundation, the precursor to our existence. It says in verse 41, it says, those who gladly received the word of God were baptized. Baptism comes when you decide to gladly receive the word. To allow the foundation of the truth of the word become your cornerstone in your existence. The cloud by day, the fire by night, the sword that you carry, the lamp unto your feet, the light unto your path. That's when it becomes powerful. Not my preaching. Not my study time. Your word time. And then you let the world see that you love the word. And then you walk in it. And you say, Pastor... I've let the word supersede. I've let the thing, other things supersede the word in my life. Say, that's me. I knew you were in here. doesn't make you a failure. just makes you ready to change. First step is admitting. Second step is taking that step and marching forward.
So I want to pray with you. And at the end of the service, the prayer team will be up here ready to receive you, to pray for you if you have any needs. But I believe that the first and foremost foundational space of my existence as a pastor is to expand the kingdom of God. So if you stand in this place this morning, you say, Pastor, I'm a sinner. I've got sin in my life, and I'm ready to give my heart to God. I know we prayed before communion, but I know there's some of you that have some deep stuff. This does not make you a failure. This makes you great in the eyes of God because you're willing to repent and leave it. If there is sin in your life this morning, you do me a favor. Just let go of that hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I got some sin. It's all right. You're not a failure because of it. Let go of that hand and say, that's me. Your neighbor's not looking at you going, ah! they're not doing that. Just say, that's me. Come on, wave, wave it. Look, hey, that's me. I'm a sinner. Look, look, when you're drowning in the water, you don't leap your hands down. You wave your arms like, hey, hey, hey I'm dying. You don't have to die anymore. Yeah, I remember in church, pastors used to see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand. More importantly, God sees that hand. And as you've lifted it, God says, watch this, watch what I'm about to do in their lives. You stand in this place and say, Pastor, that was me. I need sin. I need sin out of my life. Get to this altar right now. Move now. 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 Right now. Don't even hesitate. I saw your hand. I'll come get you. I'll walk you to this altar. Come on. Move quickly. Squeeze in tightly. Time does not supersede salvation. Anybody else want to get in? The water's good. I'm going to say this to you with every bit of love in my heart. Lay, whoo, lay it down. Don't pick it back up. I'm begging you, don't do it. God wants to deliver you today from that sin. Leave it alone. You will not walk into this next season of your life with the fullness of God if you walk in with sin. It will stop you at the door. God says, if we're going to march into this next season, I'm going to use you as a vessel. I need clean hands and a pure heart. So whatever it is in your life that is sin, I'm going to ask you this morning to ask God to strip it clean. Pastor, you mean you're going to listen to prayer? No, I'm going to let you tell him what you need to let go. Because I don't know what it is you've got in you. But I know that I serve a God that's big enough to take it from you. And to cast it as far as the east is from the west never to return again but you can't go looking for it god you took my sin where did you put it leave it alone because god can't do his greatest work in you if you keep letting that stuff back into you and when you feel like you're gonna fall call on the name of the lord don't go back to who you were you're not strong enough to beat who you were you're strong enough to become who he's called you to be let the old man die and let the new man live in Christ. So for just a second, right where you stand, I'm going to ask that you close your eyes. Those of you that are standing in the church tonight at this altar, stretch your hands towards them. Right where you're standing at this altar right now, you know what your sin is. I don't need to confess it. The Bible says to call it out, to speak it, to label it, to put a name on that sucker. Whatever that sin is, I want you to speak it right now. I'm not looking at you. I'm not trying to read your mouth to see what your sin is. But I need you to open your mouth. Don't say it in your mind. That's foolishness. Open your mouth. Because if you open your mouth, it'll fall out of your mouth and fall to the ground. This is the altar of the Lord. This is where the dead things die. Take that sin and lay it down right now. Come on. Aren't you tired of carrying it? Lay it down. 
it down. Pornography, addiction, lust, gossip. Improper thoughts. Come on, just smoking, drinking, whatever it is. Lay it down. God wants to deliver you right now. I know it hurts. Some of y'all getting choked up right now because the moment you want to say it, the enemy starts grabbing at you. No, 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 no. Don't let it go. No, let it go. Let go of your past. Let go of your sins in the past, the, th the decisions you've made. Let them go. You can't change them. You can't go back and fix it, but you can march forward after today. Come on, let it go. Let it go. I'll know when you let it go. Let it go. emptied it, right? Okay, God, put it out there. Oh, God, don't let it come back. Repentance is a 180-degree turn. Got it? Repentance is not a nudge to where you can still look at it. Repentance is saying, I'm leaving it behind me. Now watch, I'm going to show you something. You're standing at this altar, you're looking at me. You feel the weight of the people standing behind you, and I understand in this moment the enemy goes, they're judging you. Let me show you the power of this moment. Repentance means leaving the pain behind and embracing the family that I have given you in me. Watch, watch, watch. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You'll get your chance to clap in just a second. You're standing here and you're stuck. <laughs> but I'm alone, but I'm alone, but I'm alone, but I'm alone. This is too tough. I can't do this by my own. That's right, you can't. That's why God gives you a church and a family so that you don't have to do it alone. Watch, look, I got coaches all over my body right now, and it's not because the air is on, amen. Watch this. You feel this. You came up here, you're like, here I go again. I, it never changes. It's always the, it's always the same stuff. I'm, it's always, there's always something wrong with me. It's always, God, God, why can't it? It's because you keep trying to do it on your own. God says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'm a friend that sticks closer than a brother. But that song, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. Washed in the fountain, cleansed by his blood. Join heirs with Jesus as we join hand in hand. If you really want to leave this thing behind, I'm going to ask those of you that are standing up here looking at me to take a 180 degree turn and face the people that are behind you. Watch. I don't see any judgment. I don't see any pain. I don't see any hatred. I, don't, I see embracing. I see love. I see rejoicing on the hearts of your friends and your family that stand in this room because now from this moment no longer will you stand in the pain of sin, but you will now celebrate the life that God has given you, the life that he's given you this moment. You are not bound to your past. You are bound to your creator. You are bound to the promises that he has for you. You are bound to the blessings that he has in front of you. And this family chooses to rejoice with you, chooses to celebrate with you. Come on, church. Let's celebrate the fact that sin is dead and God is alive and well in this house. It's still hard, isn't it? Because you're waiting. Who's going to judge me? Oh, God, what do they think about me? What is, I work in, I serve in a ministry. What is the pastor, he does it. You don't understand, we're all celebrating in this moment. Heaven is rejoicing 
Bible says that the angels rejoice over just one who repents. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty. It's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Thirty-one people at the altar this morning. Thirty-one who repented. Say, God, I give up. What do you think heaven sounds like right now? back around and look at me. We celebrate you. We honor you. We receive you. No longer shall sin be a part of your existence. You are now saved. You have confessed your sins to the Father. You have invited him in to come and remove those things from you. You get to walk out of this place with your shoulders squared out, your head uplifted, but let me give you this precaution. Do not tempt the Lord your God. In other words, don't be like, ooh, that was good. Let me go pick it back up and see if I can still handle it. Fire will still burn you. Stop playing with it. Get rid of it. Lay it down and walk in the things of God. And how do I start? The Word. It'll change you forever. Take the hand of the neighbor. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for a church that's not stuck by a clock. I thank you that they're stuck by your presence and your power. Father, I thank you that you've led and guided us in this morning. And God, I thank you that this word will penetrate every person that's listening and watching and every person that's been in this room today. Father, I thank you for where you're taking us as a family. I thank you where you're going to grow us. I thank you that this is going to be a church that does things that no one has ever seen. That, Father, you're speaking life to us right now. That, God, we are ready to be used and to be filled by you, God, today. Use us in a mighty way. We thank you for what you've spoken in this house. We thank you for your presence and your power that's in this place. In Jesus' mighty name we pray.